23 minutes after 7 p.m. We go straight into it and uh, we take a look at the latest coming out of the markets. Uh, joined on the line by Snesipo Manindra, independent market commentator, analyst and CA for the latest out in the markets. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. I'm good, I'm fine, I'm fine. Let's maybe start off here, uh, out in the world of coal. What do you make of those bumper numbers? Uh, I guess... Uh, the price environment for thermal coal exports might give us some perspective, uh, but uh, still, uh, numbers that blow the lights nonetheless. Um, yes, um, yes. Um, we took uh, together uh, the case and uh, did the annual um, 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 presented the annual results and short form announcement and um, detailing uh, the year under review. And mm. it was a performance. I think it was a very, 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 very good performance. Um, profit of 18 billion rand, um, good growth, uh, year on year sales growth from prior year to current year about 93%, caused by a little crisis in the Kremlin, but very, 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 very good set of results. They could have been better, and I think that's where um, they could have been better. Mm. Elephant in the room, i.e., um, transit, I think, is there. We could have gone better. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate um, that uh, Transit just hasn't been able to the demand requirements because it's just yeah. These things make me upset because for me these are tax revenues. I mean, I guess that's for the other question that um, certainly arises on the back of this set of numbers is to what degree. Is this a flash in the pan, something we are only going to see in one reporting period? Or um, are prices expected, I guess, by Tungela here to be lower than what they were last year, but much higher than what maybe the five or ten year average of uh, thermal coal prices might be? Um, so um, so if, if, if you look at where we are from a forecast perspective, I think based on where we are, we can officially say that the expectation is going for this current year mm. and our first quarter of 2024, um, we expect demand for and um, prices to remain quite high for uh, thermal coal. Going forward from the 2025 perspective, I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not so sure from my side. Um, specifically, when I just look at where um, it is, it's very difficult to forecast um um, call um, energy, anything that's energy related, because you can only look at for the next two to three years. Um, I think that for me, that is sort of where we are. Definitely, definitely for the next year and a bit, for the next year and a bit, you've got, um, you still have uh, another, you've got going into summer period now, but then you go towards the end of the year, what's going to happen towards the end of the year. The Kremlin seems to still be really deep. <laughs> Entrenching themselves, so that situation is not going to um, um, get any better. But I do, I do see it going on for the next, I think, two years. And I guess you know the the other question mark that arises here is um, you know to what degree that constraint to having made oh my apologies to what degree the constraint um, that is associated with Transnet freight rails challenges. To what degree might that be resolved also in the medium term? I don't know. That one, I, I don't know. Because they've been saying that they're going to fix it, going to fix it. But fundamentally, we've got... Um, so I was at an investment infrastructure forum two weeks ago, two weeks back. 
So fundamentally, you've got two structural issues. Um, you've got um, the capacity constraints in the existing rail line, number one. Um, then you also have an issue of um, the theft. And I think for me, that is, the, that is one of the biggest trends in the theft. Um, you have the idea that there's also um, um, looking in terms of expanding getting private to participate. Uh, it's capacity constraints. Add that to the electricity issues. It's, it's, it's capacity constraints. Capacity constraints. So it's not a function of whether or not the mine can produce. It's a function of how much the mine can get um, access to market. And if you can't move, um, move, um, you're in a challenge. Um, so part of the things I was hearing about was um, the specific Richard Bay line is of vital importance because it's too expensive to um, transport by road. Because mm. you've got the price as well on the other side. And you want it if you want transport payment terms just from a working capital management perspective. Huh. So it's, it, 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 I don't know. It just, it just, yeah, it's just frustrating. I think it's significantly frustrating because this, this is one of the few things where you just need to just allow money into the first because you don't have money. And now we're losing opportunity because opportunity costs. Talk to me also about, I guess, some of the capital allocation decisions that Julian Lover and his team have made here. Um, I mean, they mention a lot this idea of geographical diversification and some of the acquisitions out in Australia. What's the story there? Uh, I think we heard a few weeks ago, a few months ago, depending on who we're speaking to, um, um, where they, they announced um, that they are going to be, uh, they acquired an asset, um, acquired an asset in Australia. And um, but they 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 they, they, they did talk about geographic diversity. I don't like that sentence because obviously it, it, it doesn't work as well. And it is for me becomes a situation where you're not reinvesting in your local community. Um, yeah, but they're saying they don't want to only make their money in one geography, which is South Africa. They want to spread their wings. They want to, uh, <laughs> I guess, diversify. You're not buying it. Uh, I get it from a business perspective, from a patriarchal perspective. We've got unemployed and guys, so they must invest here. I uh, honestly think they should invest here. They, I do understand the need. Mm. Um, so I do understand the need um, and the fact that they did use um, the cash position they have to to get to get to get control and shareholding of the core business in Australia. I do get completely get it, but. At the same time, you can't not want um, enhanced development in your own geography. Yeah, I um, guess. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of yeah, a... Yeah, mm. like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a catch to too. So you understand it from, um, if you're an investor, you want them to do this allocation of capital. Mm. Um, you want them not to have to be constrained by a single market, diversification of revenue. Um, you want this as a shareholder, but at the same time, you also need to just Think of the country, you know. Think of Nelson Mandela. Yeah? Mm, think of Tata. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 leave the coal sector, but stay in, out in the world of minerals because we're going to touch on quite a bit of that tonight.
Yeah, let's start out in Zim. Did you manage to see that documentary? I haven't seen it in full. I've seen some of the trailers and segments of it, but yeah, I haven't seen the full documentary. But I've seen some inserts, and I I saw the first ten minutes. But yo, hey, hey, things are going on in Zim. Hey, and I was shocked. Um, props to the Alger there investigation team. Number one, props to them. Props, props, props. But um. If we're going to get into it, I think this for me, and uh, let us start with um, FATCF and the call money laundering. I think this just brings it, um, it brings it full circle for people to understand what do we mean by illicit, illicit cash uh, flows and the activities that people are doing to illicit uh, flows. And um, yeah, that. For me, one of the biggest, I think the thing that, 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 that traumatized me from the documentary and um, some of the interesting you know, article, a piece on it, was that in Zimbabwe, 70% of gold mined is um, through illicit smuggles. Only 30% is sold through official channels. That means the economy has lost out on two, over two thirds of revenue, has lost out on development, you know? Mm. Um, Understanding that the, the upper echelons of government and in private sector are in cahoots with um, some, of these, um, some of these activities. And when they talk about artisanal miners, I don't think people understand. These are miners, mine activities like Zamazamas, which don't take place within um, safety. There's no college concern. People are getting hurt. People, are getting, people can die. Because they don't have the safety of regula- as regulatory enforced mining, whether it's just and you know, yeah, yeah. It it it, it was it was eye opening. Um, funny thing is, I think I think one of the entities mentioned um, we have discussed them before on the um, the Redland family. Mm, mm, yeah, the, those are the what the cigarette people. Yeah. 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 Yeah, small world. But then you have the guys who try to buy um, t- um, term guards. That's one as well. Those ones as well. Mm. Yes, guys. Hey, this was like, it's been a close. They're quite close home. Um, they're currently, so the Robin family's um, tobacco entity, Gold Leaf, is currently in uh, litigation with SARS uh, um, over unpaid taxes, um, over collection of taxes. So there's one. Um, the family also tried to buy Tongard. Um, unfortunately, that um, that transaction fell through because um, take a regulations panel um, threw out the approval um, due to the parties acting in concert, which is in contravention of the take of regulation, regulations as well as company that. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting the the, the the parties involved. But yeah, it's yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to it. So see, apparently, they visiting South Africa. We're going to see the Southie connection, but over and above, um, I think when we consider illicit flows, the smuggling of um, resources, it's yeah. So, so how does this work? Um, and I ask this, Snesipo, I ask it largely because the Zimbabwean economy is a very dollarized economy that is so unfortunately short of dollars. Um. So basically, it's um. It's a function of barter system. So um, the, the funny part is um, the criminals are actually illustrating something that um, corporate engine do all the time. 
So, for example, let's say I'm um, out in the supermarket. I need to buy things um, from you, Aya, in Johannesburg. So, and then you have someone who needs to pay you, Aya. And let's say Kuma needs to pay you. So, there's three people. So, um, Kuma needs to pay you. So, I buy from, I give Kuma the money. Kuma pays you, and then you deliver the goods. You and Kuma are transacting outside of the country, but I still get the goods inside the country. So that's basically how the parties work. It's very difficult to illustrate, but how it works is it works in a way that you're bartering and you use proxies to channel the money through. So it never touches the balance sheet of the country, but the transaction is concluded for the same amount of value. Um, and it would appear in both jurisdictions as a gold sale, I would assume. Yes, but not in the jurisdiction where it's sourced. Mm. So remember, so like I said, I need to get groceries in South Africa. I need to get groceries in South Africa. The difficulty in, in them is, is, is based on the circulation of dollars. So like I said, I need groceries. Uh, you need to pay Kuma, but I'm going to buy some of these. So you take Kuma, Kuma gives you this groceries. So it works on that system. It works on a barter system. So effectively, the transaction and all the parties are satisfied, but it never hits the jurisdiction. So remember, what do I want? If I'm a trader, what do I want? I want the cash or I want the gold. I'm not going to use the gold here in Zim, but I want the, the proceeds from the gold. Mm, okay. So that's why you use a barter system. So who needs what? So it sort of works as a matching principle. It takes it back to the old way of trading, but that's the formula that it works. So the formula that the criminal use is exactly what most people would use if they're in an economy where they're struggling for dollar circulation. They even do the same thing in Angola as well as Nigeria and Ghana as well. It works in a barter system. So you find something someone else needs, you get matched because that is what and this is the transaction you want to conclude. That's why it, it involves so many parties. And um, I think one of the what is clear from the Elvira documentary was that you need to have your different parties. So you need a government official, number one. It cannot be done without one. You need a government official, you need the actual um um seller of the gold, you need the buyer of the gold. You also need someone to be able to facilitate all of this, the logistics um, the logistics, the paperwork, all of this. It's a, it's a very big operation. So when they were saying um, the figures of about $2 billion, um a year, and in some reports, they say that that is um, the number that Alvaro quoted, it's actually under-reported, it should be actually $4.5 billion. I can't believe them because of just how how many parties are required and how, many, how much level of greasing is required. So, so in a way, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I, I think it does make sense. Uh, so, Snesipo, I guess there, there are two. Maybe this is the last question on this one. To what degree does this signal to the Financial Action Task Team that there's something fundamentally funky here and something untoward? Um. So, two things. Um. Two things. Number one, um, Dubai is already on the gray list. <laughs> it was already, it showed already inherent weaknesses because, uh, again, you need to purchase buy cheaper than the gold price, wanting to use it. Greed as well also plays a very big part in this because it's highly lucrative. 
because once you, do, you get rid of all the um, regulatory mandate, mandatory mm. requirements, this thing becomes highly lucrative and highly profitable. Sure, sure. So you can sort of get away with it. I, 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 it like I said, it is, it is a function of just uh, illicit flows, but mm. like I said, I'm looking forward to part two of sure. this. Sure. Last one, Snezipo. Let's go to Botswana just for a second. Uh, it seems the uh, Debswana uh, partnership between De Beers and uh, the uh, Botswana government might be, yeah, I guess on its dying legs or the terms on which it's been unfolding uh, for over the last he- half century or so might be on their last legs. Yes, so the agreement between um, the Beer and um, and the Beer is very much like, no, we've got this good agreement, yeah, this is what you're getting from it, but it's, it's the age old of where the resource is mined in one jurisdiction, then it's satiated in another part, and then sold back. Mm, mm. And the, the one thing to be part, having a bigger chunk of the... Um, the value add, value proposition. I think, I think that's where this has come from, and it's been bubbling under for a long time. Like I said, every single um, politician in Botswana always mentions this specific deal. Um, so where we are currently um, is that uh, the Botswanian government has bought into an, another diamond trader. They bought a share in another diamond trader. They have actively um, gone on to say that they are definitely wanting to negotiate and and um, look at a, a better deal for the country's citizens. Mm. Uh, and because I think every African country looks at us and looks at, um, um, I would say, Dubai, UAE, what a single resource can do for an economy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure, man. You know, when it comes to the to the uh, track record of minerals-driven development, I think we want to generalize a very particular experience of the Middle East at a very particular moment in the global economy. I mean, if it wasn't for 1973, the OPEC oil crisis, I'm not sure the geopolitical significance of a scarcity of oil would have been, you know... Um, configured in the way that it is, but also the, their cartel and there's that. But Snezibo, unfortunately, we have run out of time. We're going to have to leave it here. But also, I think, you know, this is the last time we're going to be speaking on the show in this way. Um, oh, and I... Yeah, I forgot yeah. It is what it is. This week is the last one. So we close shop on Wednesday. But I want to take this moment on behalf of the team and on behalf of many of the listeners to thank you. Um, for the immeasurable value that you've added onto the show, onto the segment. You know, you're a day one with us here on Metro FM Talk. And um, I think in many ways, you know, have uh, become a favorite of our listeners, of our community as it's grown. Um, and Sitikuwe uh, Siabulela. And yeah, Nangamso. Uh, and we really appreciate uh, once again the immeasurable value that you've added to the show oh, thank you I really really do appreciate it uh, uh, you, know, you know these things happen you know new adventures but yeah I'm so happy for you though. thank you and we're so happy it's, it's, it's been a pleasure it's been a good couple of years now that I think about it yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. so Snezipo 
we'll leave it here for tonight. Um, and but uh, really, I think to express my sincere gratitude to you. Um, you know, I mean, you didn't have to do this, uh, but uh, that you did, uh, I think, speaks volumes about um, you know your ethos of service and how important it is uh, for us to continue to deliver the latest out in the markets and uh, out in the world of business. And thank you so much for that. Pleasure. That there, folks, is uh, Snesipo Maninjwa, independent market commentator, analyst, and CA, who's been with us on this platform uh, for about the last four years or so. Um, and, uh, yeah, once again, deep gratitude to her and uh, to many of you, of course, uh, who have um, continued to be with us here on our business wrap and will continue to do so over the next few days or so. But, uh, yeah, this is the last Monday. <laughs>